Did you see that this uh, last couple of days when that happened? That was after the Fijian rugby team won their first ever gold medal and the team, after, the way they celebrated was by getting together and singing a classic Fijian hymn. That was them. I couldn't find the words, uh, but I found uh, I could understand three words, the word of the Lord at one point, but I couldn't hear the words, but that was them in their response uh, to... Uh, winning that medal. It was an extraordinary picture that the world picked up on. There was two people in that huddle that aren't Fijian, the coach and one of the assistants who uh, were, were included in and embraced in even though they were just kind of taking it in and, and looking uh, a bit amazed and shocked. That was no one-off for the Fijian rugby team. That's how they conduct themselves uh, all the time, in that they are constantly bursting into song before and after games, in unity together, about what matters more than winning. That's what they say, and that went viral, that, that little clip, and, and it was all over Twitter. And What the point of that was, is that the Fijian way was to play for each other, they said, to do what the team needs and to do it for a higher purpose. What they would do when they were in camp and what they do all the time, every morning they would get together and their training would start at 8am when they'd pray together. And again, every day at Lotu, which I'm sure I've pronounced incorrectly, which is a church, every day at 6.30. Every player would say a Bible verse and share with them uh, each other what it means. One of them was quite saying, the Fijian way is not about putting yourself first and success, but it's about your community. It was a brilliant moment of real joy. It was the best moment for me, and I don't think anything would top it in the Olympics. If they were playing Australia in the final, and they weren't, because Australia's rubbish at rugby sevens and the men, uh, I would have gone for Fiji, because that was just so brilliant. But today is about capturing a sense of living for and serving each other in a Christian community. That's what what it's about. Capturing a sense of what we saw in that clip, but helping us see that the Christian community, the church that we are a part of, is about serving one another, as it says uh, on the banner, serving each other. We've been looking over this series about what makes us who we are. We put God first and we look at all of the things that make us who we are to be a Jesus-shaped community. And the only way we can do that if we spend some time considering when we interact with each other, we serve and a concern for the other, not ourselves primarily. 
Why do we care about serving? Because we, get, we go back to where we started in this series. God himself. You may have that if you've got the outline in front of you. You can see, see there. We start with God himself. It's why we say we exist for God's glory. It's why the first week we said it's all, life is all about God's glory, being image bearers of God. And because we're broken, we can only do that by God's grace. We start with him. But the thing is, when we look at God, we see an unbelievable relationship he has, first and foremost, with himself. One of the guys here today who catching up with, uh, we, we were talking, talking about all the things of God, and uh, Joel and I were talking about why is there a trinity? Why talking about Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit? Why? why? Well, one of the key reasons why, even though it does our brains in, and it should, to understand how it's possible, there is one God and three persons to show us our God is a relational God at his very core himself. See, even if there was no one else in the universe, even if there was nothing else other than God, he is in relationship. And we see that. He's in a relationship that is totally unselfish. He's in a relationship which is completely an other person-centered. One God, three persons. And the way he relates to himself is a beautiful picture of relationship. It kind of sounds odd and strange and, and being introduced to these ideas may blow your mind out a little bit and that's completely okay because we should wrestle with our God that is one God and three persons. Particularly when seeing it gives us insight to how we're to be. See, but the story of the Bible isn't God just being in perfect relationship with himself. The story of the Bible is God putting us before himself with Jesus on the cross at the climax. God's nature is to put others instead of himself. God gave us this same other person-centered nature. And where to reflect that in our relationships. Now you may be thinking, what are you talking about, Michael? How is this so? What I want to try and do today is I want to just give you a snapshot. And, and to be honest, it's just the beginning, a little snapshot. into We see how God actually does relate to himself and how he relates to us in this way. To help us maybe start to grasp this so that we can take these principles into our relationship with each other. So let me give you a snapshot. Let me, um, let me show you from the three different perspectives of how uh, God himself relates to himself. First of all, in John... Yeah, I've said that on. Good. John 3, 35. So what we're doing, I'm going to go through a whole bunch of verses initially, and in the second half, we're going to look at uh, that passage that we had in front of us, which may be helpful for you to keep your finger in. You see, the first question I want to ask you is, what does the Father do for the Son? We'll have a look at John 3, 35 there on the screen. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. That's pretty good, because he has a lot to give. 
He has given his son everything. He's put his son on the throne. As we see that great picture in Revelation. That is how we see the father relating to his son. He wants his son to have all glory and honour. We talk about being a Jesus-shaped community, that's what the Father wants. He doesn't want a Father-shaped community. We see the Father by seeing the Son. And He's the one who's been given the throne. So how does Jesus respond to the Father? Let's have a look at this in uh, 5.30. In these little snapshots. 5.30, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. How does the son respond? This is no prodigal son. This is no son that goes, I've got everything, off I go, I'm going to use it the way I want, forget how God, my father wants me to use it. No, he takes what the father has given him and at every single point, at every single juncture, he wants to please him with what he's given him completely concerned for the other. It's a beautiful snapshot. I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Well, what about the Holy Spirit? Who is the Spirit concerned about? Extraordinary how God is in himself. Have a look at John 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. The spirit is concerned about Jesus going forward. In John's gospel, the truth is all on Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the spirit is desperately concerned that all people are convicted by and know Jesus. Christians become more and more like Jesus, which is what we talked about last week, if you were here, when the Holy Spirit convicts and transforms and changes your heart, not to be like the Holy Spirit, but to be like Christ. Holy Spirit wants us to be like the Son, in our Bible studies this week, as we wrestle with these a bit more, maybe it would be helpful for you to ask a whole bunch of questions. In that, we'll look at the fruit of the Spirit in that, and the fruit of the Spirit help us transform us into Christ. God, if maybe just start to see this beautiful relationship He has with Himself. And Jesus is at the centre of all our relationships. He is the one who has died for us. He is on the throne. He is the one who gives us the most glorious example of this other person-centered relationship. At his darkest hour, when he knows he's facing the wrath of all, he says to his father, who he knows can take it from him, not my will, but yours. Glorious other person-centered God. So, God wants us though, not to just see this and give praise and honour to Him as that's how great God is. He wants us to do that, do that and realise that is how we are to be. God wants us to have the same approach to relationships at point two in your outline. 
consider how does God relate to us. Three verses, quickly, just they give you kind of a little different perspective on the cross from three different angles. The, f- the first one, hopefully, is Romans 5, beautiful. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's so concerned about us and not himself, he deals with us when we are sinners, when we are his enemy. When we are turning our back from him, that's when he's concerned about us. 1 John 4. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He's so concerned about us, he had to give up something himself. The sacrifice was in no way just for, for him, it was for us. Other person-centred is sacrificial. And the theme of Mark 10, which we've, it's, as it's turned out, keep on going to as our start in our, our time together at Grove, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Can't be any more blunt than that, can it? And to give his life as a ransom for many. His other person sent it to us when we're his sinners and enemies. It involves being sacrificial and he's done it because he wants to serve us. That's how God relates to us. Therefore, we serve each other with sacrificial other person centeredness. But there's one thing, we need to stop for just a moment. There's one thing, I wonder if you can picture it. We've done it already today. There's one thing that's really an important character of the Christian community's other person-centred relationship that God has never had to do in his perfect other person-centred relationship with himself. We have one distinction. What do you reckon it is? It's forgiveness. This relationship of God himself never failed, never got it wrong, was in perfect harmony and in relationship together. As we seek to express this, what comes to the heart of how we do this is the need for us to be overflowing with forgiveness of each other for the times when we get it wrong. And if you're here today and you're wondering where you're at with God, I want to challenge you today to see that Jesus is saying, I'm giving my all. I'm the God of all, the one on the throne, the one in all of the universe, and I'm giving all of myself for you so that you can be forgiven by me, so you can have an eternal relationship with me and with my people. That's what you're called to trust in today. And if you are there today, maybe you need to do that. I'd love to help you work that through. Maybe that's got many questions after having that little snapshot. But that's the call that God's making for you today, if that's you. So with this other person-centred snapshot, and my goal is to show you that's what God's like and so that's what we're to be like. So if you're saying yes to that, I'm on board with you, Michael, that's a good idea. I want to be like that. So I'm hoping at least there's a few of you who are with me for that point. Yes? Oh, good. Okay, good. We can keep going. Excellent. How do we work that out, flesh that out a bit? So I reckon there's one particular imagery in the Bible. There's lots of ways you could do it. I reckon there's one particular imagery in the Bible that actually is really quite helpful. 
It's the imagery in the New Testament of the body. I think it's very helpful. 1 Corinthians 12 is a great place. Initially, I think it might even be on the outline, it was Ephesians 4, which is body, and Colossians. And Paul, uh, one of the New Testament writers of many of the letters to the churches, used this imagery, which I think really expresses this other person-centered relationship by talking about the body. See, it makes sense if we consider each other needing to be one body working together. If you've got 1 Corinthians 12 in, a, in front of you, have a look at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We together are a body. We have one body. When you get up in the morning, if you wake up and you go, oh, I've got a bit of creak in the back, I'm not going to be able to move, I'm just going to get up into the cupboard, uh, get my new body and my business shirts. No, you've got one body. You can't, you can't grab many bodies, you've got one, you've got to live with the one you've got, even if your neck, your back, your knee falls apart, that's your body. We are one body together. We don't detach ourselves. So verse, verse 12, right at the beginning of this section, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. See, we don't, we don't send the arm off to work and the leg off to run and do our exercise at different times. You can't do that. It's a nonsense. We can't break ourselves up. You see, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. And it can mean no more or less than this. There's a great quote from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer who uh, really understood how the body works in a Christian community. And he was a German uh, theologian who was in the wartime and got caught up in the war, was in jail, was involved in trying to assassinate Hitler in, in behind the scenes. And, and he died just before it all ended, the war. In jail. He understood very clearly the privilege of it is for the body to come together in community. And I realised, you know what? I take it for granted, the privilege of this right now. Particularly at seven o'clock in the morning when I wake up and the kids have been up all night and I've had a big night out partying, that's you guys, the young people who are partying and all you other people, people with kids or you've been sick and you, I just oh, I can't get up, right? You, you take it for granted to come to church. But if you're back in World War II, a Christian in a jail cell by yourself with no other Christians to communicate with, the privilege of the body coming together becomes a little bit more crystal clear, don't you think? Maybe we shouldn't take it for granted. You see, what this body imagery shows us about being other person-centred is that we're unified and we are diverse. Let's go back to 12 to 14 again. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The, the body points us to uni, to unity. We're not, 
homogenized, all exactly the same. We are different parts. We have diversity. We are one together with diversity. My ear cannot say to my, to my hand, it's all right, hand, I've got Michael's talk this week, I'll write it. It would be kind of painful and it wouldn't happen if I tried to stick my pen in my ear and write this talk. It wouldn't happen, I'd probably destroy my eardrum and it'd be very messy. <laughs> it's kind of a stupid thing to say, Michael. But it's kind of a stupid thing to do and we don't see that our relationship is like a diverse body. We have all different values. We, sorry, we're diverse with the same value. Let's clarify that. That was a really wrong thing to say. We are all diverse, but with the same value. And we serve in different ways. If I had to do the singing and playing of the musical instruments here, we would all be in big, big trouble. I am rubbish. I had a week when um, uh, my best friend's uh, uh, were getting married many, many years ago and they rented a place and they had it before they got married. Two of us, another friend of ours, we thought, well, we'll be bachelors for a week and he was really good with the guitar and so I thought, okay, this whole time, this whole time together, teach me how to play the guitar. It was day five and he said, Michael, I reckon you give the guitar a miss. <laughs> I know, it was tough love, he thinks it's hilarious but... Um, he, he was right, I just can't do it. I can hear it, but I can't bring it out. And that's okay, I'll get over it. But, <laughs> but the part of being one body is the joy of us sharing together. I don't miss out because of all of you and those of you who can play and lead us in singing. And the fact that we talked the other week about the most important part about uh, uh, singing together and bringing praises to God is not the band that's leading, they're just the ones who are facilitating us singing praises together. So actually, I'm in the better spot. We are diverse, serving each other. When we come together, if we're other person-centred as a body... What are we doing? We're thinking, well, I actually, want to, I actually want to do what the other needs, not what I'm good at as a priority. And we want to do, we want to do the right thing. Have a look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, weaker are ind indispensable and the parts that, that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. So here we see, you know, we, we actually want to bring it all together. Now the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, because an eye sees, not a hand. Now, if, you, if you don't know, my, my left eye has about 10% vision in it. I detached my retina playing soccer. Now... If my knee says to my left eye, well, you're really rubbish at it, you're broken, I'm going to do the singing from now on, it doesn't work. How do we consider how we apply our gifts? I am brilliant at filling the line. Therefore, when I come to church, my first priority when I walk in the door is, how am I going to get to facilitate that? Or is it, what does this body need? Have I got the capacity and the capability to do that? 
Sometimes they're specific skills and gifts, and we're not going to go into the whole uh, thing of uh, gifts and, and all of that today because it's just a, it's a whole other talk. But sometimes it's just things that need to be done and you can be trained up in them. Sometimes it's just because you're physically capable to do something, you could do that. Sometimes you can do something for a season and then not for another season because there's a whole bunch of people can do that, but only a few can do that other option. Being a body also means we're interdependent upon each other. Not only are we unified and diverse, we're also needing to rely on each other. Now, the moment you say that, what are you actually really honestly saying if you do do that? What, we're willing, what you have to be willing to say is that I'm vulnerable to each other. That to rely on someone else is to be vulnerable to them. The body is like a family. It's not a group of people that live in a house and cook six different meals. I know, like, Jack, in your, in your bachelor pad, you guys cook different meals, right? That's not, the, that's not us. We, it's like a, an actual family unit. In our family, I don't make Amy cook her meals and then get Chloe out there and then get Ethan on the barbecue and then I cook my meal later. You don't do it like that. We cook a meal together. We rely upon each other for different tasks. And so we're vulnerable to that. Our kids are vulnerable to us. If Jenna and I just stop cooking and providing food, they're going to be in trouble. That's what it means. There's much more to consider. And sometimes we get it wrong. We'll get it wrong more than we have so far, I think. I think it's been pretty, pretty great so far. I've been so thankful to God. There's not a day goes by when I think, wow, God, you have... Wow, you've blessed us with the way things have gone since we've started. I hope you feel like that if you've been coming along. But we'll get it wrong. I will get it wrong. You will get it wrong sometimes. How are we going to care for each other? Or how are we going to think about what we're going to do for others? And you know, oh... I know this needs to be done, but I'm not going to do it as well as I need to. And I know it's going to affect other people, but I'll just kind of go through the motions. That's going to affect the body. I cook the chicken at home, but I kind of only half cook it. It'll be all right, kids. (laughs) That's going to get messy. Do you get the point? I I hope you're with me and I hope you have that passion to see that this is the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be other person-centred like our God. See, each week in this series, we've been, we've been asking ourselves, what does it mean to be a Trinity Grove member? Um, and today I want to encourage you to consider how can you serve the other, those that are around you, those that are not here, I think we had three or four text messages this morning of those that are sick and got sick overnight. One person was on, on, uh, the, on the uh, PowerPoint desk. Andrew walks in a few minutes uh, before the service starts and I say, good morning, Andrew. I tried to do it with as friendly a smile as I could. and said, I know you did it last week. Could you please possibly do it again? He said, sure, I can do it. It's serving the body at last minute. Sorry to embarrass you, Andrew, but that was a good example. That's what we do. We use our gifts and abilities for the other, not for ourselves. And I want you to take that on board. 
seek unity, embrace diversity and be willing to be interdependent with each other. We will make mistakes, we will be broken at points and so we wrap our church in forgiveness and God's grace. Ask yourself, how can I serve someone else? Sometimes you have a season in a greater capacity. Grab hold of those moments. When your capacity is low, don't wrap yourself in guilt. You know what? Part of being in a community that serves is letting people serve you as well. One of my reflections on uh, being a pastor for 10 years is that sometimes the great servers in the church are shocking at letting other people serve them. That's a rebuke to you if that's you. Remember Jesus, his death brings unity. His death brings all of the nations, the diversity of the nations into one body. Jesus, the Lord of all, lowered himself to be vulnerable on a cross so that you could be in relationship with him. That's what it means to serve one another. I've loved this series because I've loved reflecting on who we are and I hope you take that away now this time. We'll think about it more and, and shape it more and, and what's going to happen is with the community group studies, these talks are going to become our newcomers, obviously watered down a lot more because we've done a lot, but to help people catch up what we want to be on about. What we want to be on about, I've just kind of given a little snapshot here, it doesn't really matter if you can see or not see that, um, but let me just finish off the series by giving you the grand picture of not just serving one another, but the grand picture. We're a Jesus-shaped community in every level. And so we want to bring glory to God. We magnify God's glory in all of life. And all of these things, I'm going to print this out and give it to you all, so if you can't see it, that's fine. But we, we magnify God's glory in all of life. Not just when we sing, that we do, when we gather together, we want to be joyful and thankful, giving all praise to God. That's our culture. That's who we want to be. We want to be full of love and joy and thankfulness and bringing honour and glory to God. Jack considers that each week. As I oversee the whole church, Jack considers that particularly. We are a church on mission together, we looked in our second week, and we didn't talk about what we're going to do in our great strategies and the brilliant strategy of, you know, ambassador soccer or all the plans. That's by the by. We're on mission because we have a passion that is God's passion, sharing Jesus with others. And I'm particularly thinking of focusing in on that. That's what matters to us. Every member of Grove should have a passion for and is involved in making disciples. And we talked to, three weeks ago, we share, we welcome and we invite when the opportunity arises. Our heart is God's heart. So much so, it's our verse, for Christ's love compels us. And if we want people to be following Jesus, we want them to be members. We want them connected in with the community. And Amanda has been thinking about that way from the beginning, how we can do that well, how we connect in with people. And there's one thing that we... We mentioned, we want people to join our community, so there needs to be our community there for them to join. 
How horrible would it be if we say, come, come, jo- join us, and then we rabble? We want to welcome the broader community. Our last two focuses, the way we kind of put it all together structurally, we, maturity. We, last week, we looked at, we want to grow in maturity. We want the Christian life to be about growing in Christ-likeness. Every member of Grove wants to do this and do it together. If you didn't hear the talk last week, we were saying it's not okay to just get in. That is, you know, follow Jesus, and that's what it is. It's a following of Jesus. It's being transformed into his likeness. And so we rely wholeheartedly on the Bible and prayer by the Spirit to grow in Christ. At our core, practically, that means we commit together to Sundays for the other, to midweek community groups. And lastly, what we've considered today that Jack tries to think through, uh, as, as uh, I think through maturity, he thinks through, how do we do ministry together? How do we serve one another? How can we actually get involved? What things do we need to do? Where are the gaps? If you ask that question through our talk today, what do I need to do that I could possibly do? You could go to Jack and say, tell me a whole bunch of things. I've got no idea if I can do them, but just throw my mind wide open. We serve each other in an other person-centred way. How could we be anything else than a Jesus-shaped community? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks. We give you great thanks that we have a life because of your Son. We want to give you all glory, honour and praise. Help us today to be other person-centred in our relationships as we serve one another. Help us to be one body together, serving each other. We thank you that we, we can see this because we, you've revealed yourself to us and what you're like. Help us to wrestle with that more and to be transformed into your son's likeness day by day. Amen.